Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. Nick, Eli, it's been a while. It's been a minute. I know. So we had some tragedy strike a couple <gasps> weeks ago. Eli and I oh, recorded yeah. an entire episode about Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh. That didn't actually record yeah. uh, because our system wasn't working. Yeah. So know that we did talk about Drop Dead Gorgeous. We do recommend that you watch it. We do not recommend all of the jokes in it. No, there are some caveats if you're easily offended. <laughs> Do not watch Drop Dead Gorgeous, uh-huh. uh, but it's on Hulu, and you should watch it if dark comedy is your thing. Um, then we were out of town last week, but we're here together today. So, so excited to be back. Nick, why don't you tell us what you've been watching? All right, let's start it off. So I promised you guys that I was going to watch Aziz's special. Uh, yeah. And I did. Yeah. Did you guys watch it? No, yes. I heard not good things. Well, really? Okay, I want to talk about it. I made it through the first 10 minutes, and then I was like, you know what? Aziz is just not for me. Hmm. Okay. Got it. Like, what did you hear? I want to hear. The- uh, just that it wasn't funny. You know what? I wanted. Yeah. I wanted to bring that up. So <laughs> a stand-up special show. Yeah. Be funny. So see, it was interesting because like a, a big part of it was that it was like his first show since the 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 babe.com thing that that came out about him. And um, one of the parts that I appreciated though is that he he didn't really shy away from it and he he talked about how he was going to learn from it and um how his like his outlook has changed quite yep. a bit but it was a little bit too somber for yeah we know he meant it because he talked in this voice I know, while yeah. he apologized I I wasn't all about that it that was, was a little it felt here's the problem and the thing is like he probably is sincere and I it I think he probably handled it as well as he could if he was going to choose to do it in that kind of setting. But it struck me more of a thing like maybe just write this right and release it as put it in the New York Times. or yeah, something. Yeah, release it as yeah. kind of this op-ed thing that people can kind of read and, and they, you will get your tone. And then you're doing a stand-up comedy show, and I think it would be okay to like make a joke about that whole thing happened. I'm not talking about it here. Let's do a comedy show and go back to being funny. Yeah. Like go back to doing what you really what you're really good at. And put it behind you. Like yeah. that, that that would be the advice that I would give Aziz Ansari right now. But mm-hmm. I mean, kudos to him getting back on the horse, I guess. Sure. I guess. Yeah. I mean Meg's, that. Meg's still mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not mad. I don't feel anything anymore. Whoa. <laughs> so was Are you it okay over there? <laughs> I don't feel good. I have a cold. Okay. <laughs> I might be dying. Okay. Uh so but did you like it? I, I feel like I didn't waste my time. Have you watched his other stand-up? Yeah. And you like his other stand-up? His other stand-up was, like, way more, like, in your face. Like, very much like the, the high-pitched disease voice. And, like, oh. very much. But he kind of likes to. Like, now he's wearing, like, Metallica t-shirts and mm. things Ugh. like that. So, like, he's, Hard pass. he's totally changing his image. He's so like rebrand. Yeah. Like, ask me again in, like, a year. And he's turning into the. Let the, me write it down. Ask. I'm going to put it on my calendar. Please do. Ask Nick about Aziz. He's Perfect. turning into the dad from Juno, the one who's going to adopt, what's his name? Bateman. Oh, Jason Bateman. He's turning into Jason Bateman. That yeah. character was so well written. Oh, so, and oh. so well. Jason Bateman is a super underrated actor. It's way underrated. Yeah, he was perfect for that He was role. so he was good perfect. in that movie. And he is, his uh, role in Ozark, He's it's like one of the best performances I've ever seen in a television show. Gosh. Which isn't season three coming out soon? I haven't seen any trailer. I haven't seen any news about it. Netflix yeah. just does that. Talk to though. your girl. My Talk girl, to her. Laura. Hang on, let me text, text her, her right now. <laughs> Laura, WTF, Ozark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay, I'll tell you what she says. Perfect. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Okay. And in preparation for 
going to see what we're talking about today. I watched this director's past films. Um, besides all Jackie, of them? No, not all of them. I don't like Jackie Brown. Oh, I've never seen Jackie Brown. I don't Brown. recognize Jackie Brown as one of his movies, but <laughs> well, <laughs> some people do. I didn't like it. When I was in the MTC, uh, the Missionary Training Center, mm-hmm. there was some elder uh, a fellow missionary on our floor who said, I only believe one book in the Book of Mormon, and it's Third Nephi. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> he just he decided that he didn't believe any part of the Book of Mormon except Third Nephi, so he only read Third Nephi over and over. Let so. me tell you what you're going to be doing for the next couple of years. <laughs> like, that's a choice. All right. That's a weird choice. Anyway, that's kind of all in or all out, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Not recognizing Jackie Brown reminded me of that. Not recognizing it. Sorry. Uh, Take that with what you want. But uh, we'll talk about... We'll talk about his other movies as we get into the topic. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. With this. Eli. The final season of Orange is the New Black came out. I thought of you. I'm the last person in America still watching it because I don't quit shows. And it's been on for a long time. Season seven. Yeah. This is season seven. You know what I will? I'll say I think Netflix has a really bad habit of tanking their own shows. I have yet to see a series complete completed on Netflix well. Okay. Um, I think Kimmy Schmidt sort of recovered in its final episode, but I think the last couple of seasons really struggled. Uh, We've talked endlessly about House of Cards, which was just a nightmare. I have high hopes for Orange is the New Black because I don't think they've had a bad season yet. I think a lot of people have lost interest because it's just gone on so long, but I think that the quality of the show has kept up. And last season, they sort of reinvented the show, moved to a different location, introduced a ton of new characters. I think that... It's really good that they're ending it, but I'll let you know how that goes. I'm only an episode in so far. Okay. I finally, on a plane, for the first time, watched All About Eve. Have you guys ever seen that movie? All Never. About Eve? Tell me about it's it. It's frequently listed as like one of the top five greatest films of all time, 1956. Oh, it's old. Betty okay. Davis. Um uh, you chose to watch that on an airplane? I kind of, I've been in this kick lately where I watch old movies on planes. Isn't that kind of comforting? I just no. I feel like a plan is where you watch trash. crap movies. Like, yeah. No. Oh yeah. No. Okay. No, it's because I, I just I'm like really enjoy. I, I had my knitting. I got my knitting out. I watched my old Betty Davis <laughs> film from 1956. <laughs> the flight attendant flirted with me. It was a great flight. Uh, male or female flight attendant? A male flight attendant. He gave me two bottles of wine. Wow. He said, you're going on a cruise with your family? And I said, yes. And then he walked back and he handed me two bottles of wine. He said, you're going to need these. Did he charge you for them? No. What? I know. Skylar was really mad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Skylar was mad that he wasn't the one getting oh, flirted he wasn't with. Jealous. He wasn't jealous. No, it wasn't. Oh, a, I see. It was, yeah. Anyway, All About Eve. I highly recommend it. It should be alternatively titled Bitches Be Cray because there are a couple of women in this who are insane. Okay. It's a very long movie because 1956, they used to do that. They're like, let's just have a 24-hour film. People will sit because <laughs> yeah. they got nothing else <laughs> to do. There's literally nothing else to do. How long yeah. should we run it, Johnny? Uh, 30 hours. Assy here. So, but watching All About Eve has caused me to do this thing, and I wanted to ask you guys about this. I have now in the last several days been obsessively watching old interviews of celebrities from the 70s, 60s, and 70s 
on YouTube. I don't know why. I just like pulled up a Betty Davis interview from like 1975 because I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I wonder what she was like. And then it's just like gotten me into this YouTube black hole. And what I have noticed is that celebrities during the 70s were way more candid in interviews. Like she's talking to at, on this late night interview and the guy's like, have you ever worked with somebody you don't like? And she's like, yeah, Faye Dunaway is terrible. And they just trash her for like five minutes. That's amazing. And it's not just her. (laughs) Like all these interviews, I watched one with Lucille Ball and she's like, yeah, Desi Arnaz was a complete loser. It's a good thing I divorced him. Like they're just like so candid. Wow. And I wonder if all of the celebrities today, they all have their social media people and whoever else publicists like so carefully crafting what they say and do. Maybe because they get trashed so much more than than they used to because of social media and whatever else. Yeah. But if, is that a thing? Am I discovering something that nobody else has ever talked about before? Have you guys heard that? I just remember those SNL sketches where it's like actors round table and they bring in like Kate McKinnon as an old actress. And <laughs> she's like, yeah, you know, we have to be railroad tied and hit a number of times. But you do what you do to get the shot. <laughs> and all the, everyone else is like, what? <laughs> Yeah, she plays different. the best old lady ever. <laughs> I love love that character on SNL. Anyway, it was interesting. That huh. is interesting. What did I What did I just see her in? Kate McKinnon, the spy who dumped me. No, was she in Late Night? No. No, she was in Yesterday. I saw oh, Yesterday. She was. Yeah, she gave about 150%, and I wish she had given about 80%. Shoot. That movie was, have you guys seen it yet? No, not yet. I know know we were supposed to talk about it at some point on this podcast, but I don't think we're going to anymore. Really short, it was a failed opportunity, because it was, yesterday is a great premise for a film. It could have been really fun. It made no sense. The acting was pretty hammy for most people in it, and by the end, it was was like they were not even trying anymore to have a plot. Hmm. So. Was Cute. it Danny Boyle that directed it? I don't know. Oh, thought I saw it was. But anyway, that's all I have. Meg. That's all you got? Uh, okay. Yesterday, NPR Music published Lizzo's Tiny Desk Concert. Mm-hmm. You should one hundred percent go watch Lizzo's Tiny Desk. You've concert. been on Lizzo lately. I love Lizzo. Yeah. Lizzo is getting me through twenty nineteen. <laughs> really. <laughs> Lizzo is what gives me hope. When I listen to her while I do my hair every morning. <laughs> okay. Why do you like her so much? She's a, incredible. She's an incredible singer. Mm-hmm. She's funny on Twitter. She's very funny. She plays the flute okay. in the middle of her, like, hip-hop songs. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very body positive, very much owns who she is and what she's doing, and I respect that. And it's a really great Tiny Desk concert, so look that up. Okay. Mm. Um, the Big Little Lies finale. Okay. Mm. Let's talk about yeah. it. Yeah. I have given season two a big old thumbs down. Yeah. We are exactly where we were at the end of season one. Yeah. This you a- could erase that entire season and they're all in the exact same place except maybe Renata. Yeah. Who cares about Renata though? I don't care about Renata. I actually will be happy if I never have to see that character on screen again. I love Laura Dern, but I'm like, same. I am tired of this version of Laura. Talk about someone going 150%. Yeah, screaming the F word. Like, that's all her character was, was just screaming the F word. And like a terrible person. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like at the end of season one, it's like, oh, well, we've all learned something. And Renata is still just like an awful person. 
I don't care about Bonnie's storyline at all. I do not care about her mom. No. They did not put in the work necessary to make me care about her mom. And there was so much time wasted on that. Yep. The only intriguing story to me was the Meryl Nicole story. Yeah. And then they added things to Nicole's character where I was like, this character's no longer nuanced. Like, you've turned this into like, oh, she has like a disease. And it's like, no, their marriage was complicated. And now you've turned it into like this gross, weird thing. And that's ruined. I don't know. I don't know if they can recover. I don't either. And it was hard to, it was even hard to take that plot line seriously because. A court would never take children away from their mother in those circumstances, ever. Yeah. It's like, okay, this pretty stable person who's financially stable, presents herself really well, and is the mother of these children. Like, kids don't get taken away from parents for DUIs. Yeah. And it's just, so it was hard to take that seriously. That said, Meryl was great, and she was fun to watch. She was great. Yeah. Meryl can sell any role, and so she. it looks like she's probably not coming back for a season three she, her character, I feel like, had an exit at the end of this thing. I mean, get out while you can. Totally. Would be my advice to Meryl. Would be my advice to any of them. Mm-hmm. And I, there will be a season three, I assume. Because they kind of left it on Shalane a cliffhanger. Woodley. I'm like, just stop. I'm, she is the stop. worst. You all need to stop. She's the worst. I, I don't know what's going through HBO's head when... Money. Yeah, I know, and then it's it's a shame that that's what drives it, because you had, like, a really great miniseries. It's like, get a whole compilation of actresses together, tell this great story that came from a book that yeah. everybody really liked, yeah. mm-hmm. tell that story, leave it alone. But then you get this big fan response, and, like, the studio has to say, like, well, how much more money can we squeeze out of this? And then you put substandard writing out there. Mm-hmm. And, and there was that whole mess with the director's. Hey, I, it's it's mm-hmm. too bad, and yeah. I I hope I don't know if they're going to learn their lesson from this. I don't. But they should the adapt. ratings were the ratings still good? I, I don't know. I have no clue. Were. But Leanne Moriarty has volumes of books. They should just pick other ones sure. to adapt. They're all compelling stories. So huh. anyway, um, The Bachelorette is the best it's ever been. Really? Go on. There was a contestant named Luke P. And Luke P. claims that while he was in the shower, Jesus told him that he needs to stop sleeping around. Oh, same. And he had this, like, religious rebirth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that was, like, kind of part of his storyline on The Bachelorette, which is great. I think faith is important. I think that people who are true to their faith um, should be admired for that. The problem was that Luke P. started weaponizing his faith Mm -hmm. to consider himself better than everyone else there and better than Hannah. Mm-hmm. And they had a confrontation where he said, if you go into any uh, fantasy suites with any of these guys, I'm going to excuse myself. And she's like, guess what? I already did. What are you going to do? And he tries to backtrack, but then he starts saying things like, you know, in a relationship, a man should lead the woman, and we all make mistakes, but that's okay. I can forgive you. Like, kind of wacko stuff. Why would she want to keep him? She sent him home. Okay. He shows up the next day at a roast ceremony, like, asking to be back. And she's like, no, I sent you home. You need to leave. He refuses to leave. Mm. She moves up the rose podium so that he's, like, excluded from it. He scoots up, and she's like, you really have to go. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. And all the other guys come up, and they're like, dude, you got to go. And they bring out, like, Chris Harrison and, like, the big producer guy. I mean, somebody let him on set. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, when things started, like, really heating yeah. up, they brought out, like, the bouncer. He's like, okay, I'll go. 
Then he comes back for the women tell or for the men tell all, and he doubles down. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't regret a thing. And then Chris Harrison is like, so do you want a woman that you can keep in a glass case and set on a shelf? There's like a 30-second pause while he considers his answer. You guys, it was the wildest thing I've ever He's seen. lost his mind. He's lost. Huh. His, well, I don't know if he ever had a mind mm-hmm. is the thing. Mm. I think that he is so living in an echo chamber mm. that he thinks that his actions are justified. But you should absolutely go watch the footage because it's incredible. Mm. And then finally, I took my children to see The Lion King. Ah, uh, yes. Your tweet was so funny about this. (laughs) That was a really good tweet. The Lion King is not good. Yeah. It's not good. What was was it? Planet Earth if Beyonce did voiceover? Badly. So they made (laughs) the lions too realistic. Mm -hmm. So the animals in this look like you're watching National Geographic, but they're talking. Oh, but their mouths aren't moving to the words. So their mouths are moving, but the words aren't matching to the way their mouths are moving. What? It's painful. And, like, the first one is so fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's so animated and colorful. My four-year-old was losing her mind. She was so bored by this okay. movie. Do not go see The Lion King unless you are a seven-year-old girl, which I think is the only demographic that mm. Have you guys liked any of the live-action Disney films? Re, like remakes? Not no. The Jungle Book was fine. I think, but it was the same concept, right? It was yeah. But there's a human in that, a yeah. human who can like emote. So like huh. you know, there's someone to like stick to. You know what? And I don't know if this counts as because it wasn't really a remake. But I actually really liked Maleficent. Oh yeah, I never I saw was, it. I thought that was really well done. Like I would rewatch that. Hmm. Okay, interesting. And I think there's going to be a second one now. Yeah, there is. Yeah, and I, Mulan's uh, the next like Mulan looks remake. really that good. Looks good. That one could be cool if they yeah. do it right. That one. I could think be... the human ones are more successful because it makes sense, right? Yeah. yeah. Beauty and the Beast was a bit of. Sense. Oh, Beauty and the Beast was so boring. It was boring. boring. It was just boring because it, it was, was literally like shot for I shot or like recreation. Emma Watson. She's not a good actor. She's not, is she? She's beautiful and charming yeah. and a great activist, but put her in a movie, and I'm like, oh, this is tough. Yeah. It was a tough watch. But I think Mulan looks really good. Because yeah. it's inherently a more interesting story than Beauty and the Beast. So. Yeah. Anyway. And then I went and saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, our subject of discussion today. Eli, did you get a chance? I did see not it? see it. You're going to be a little bored, I think. Well, you told me that I wouldn't like the movie. I did tell you that. And I stand by that. But okay. I'd be interesting to hear what you think when you see it. So, Nick. Yeah. I mean, we got a lot to cover here. We do. First, I want to hear your overall impression. Okay. I loved this movie. Yeah. Um, and the reason that I loved it is that I watched a trailer for it, and I really didn't have any real context of of what it was about. I knew it was about Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor, but I didn't know that he was, like, a B-list actor. I didn't know that he was, like, kind of, sh- like, holding on to his career a with everything that he's actor. got. Yeah, he's kind of fading. He kind of, like, he had a big run on a TV show, and then ever since, he's just been trying to really grasp at straws to really make a name for himself. It's set in what period? It's set in the 60s. Okay. Um, 69. 69 in, in Hollywood during the Charles Manson mm. era. Um, and I loved what Tarantino did with the Sharon Tate character. Um, he's known to rewrite history, like what he did with Inglorious oh, Bastards. Oh, spoiler alert. This, I mean, oh, yeah. You should, you should not listen if you haven't seen the yeah. movie and want to see the movie. But... Um, the ringer actually did a piece of like, go read this before you go see once upon a time in Hollywood. Cause it will give you a little bit of backstory. And 
the way that Sharon Tate was murdered was horrible. Yeah, I was surprised um, to learn that there are people who are unfamiliar with that story. Hmm. There are a lot of young people who had never heard of Sharon Tate oh. or how she was murdered or even really the Manson family. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting. Actually. Yeah, because well, we we grew up hearing those as bedtime stories because you know there were no standards in the eighties. Teddy Ruskin 90s. put yeah. in the Charles Manson tape. <laughs> yeah, I feel like my mom told me about Charles Manson when I was six. She's like, oh, you want to hear about Charles Manson? You're old enough. Yeah, different times. That was just a different time. Uh, no seatbelts. You're all about Charles. Manson. I'm gonna leave you in the car while I go into the fabric store for three hours. The, the hand on the window. The Titanic hand on the window. <laughs> anyway, the the way that he rewrites spoiler again, the way that he rewrites history is that Sharon Tate doesn't get murdered in the end, but um the three members of the of the Manson clan that would have done it. Um and I looked these people up actually and they're real people and they all deserved the fate that they got in the movie. The last 20 minutes is just a hilarious violent spree. Yes. Of mm. Brad Pitt and his dog attacking these attacking these a three people. A very high Brad Pitt yeah. and his dog. Oh, on an acid trip cigarette and <laughs> it was it was a, a lot of fun for me because I went into it not knowing a lot of the backstory and watching that unfold and seeing this movie that's a lot different from his movies in the past. Uh I I think it spoke a lot to him as a director. Um it was a cool love letter to to LA and to Hollywood and to how he feels about it and how I think a lot of actors have felt about it and how that built the legacy of the industry going forward. I don't know. What were your initial? I really liked this movie. Yeah. Um, I was nervous when I heard that Quentin Tarantino was making a movie about Charles Manson. Mm. That made me very uncomfortable. Because you thought it was just going to be really violent or graphic? I thought it was going to be like that stupid Zac Efron, Ted Bundy Uh, movie I saw. Glorify it a little. Where Charles Manson is the protagonist of the movie. And Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in that because he was a terrible human and he doesn't deserve our attention or any sort of human emotion from us. So I was glad that Charles Manson was in this movie for all of 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Okay. Yeah. And he's not even hardly a character in it. And while his followers are, it's not their story. Right. It's the story of Brad Pitt and of Leonardo DiCaprio. A little bit of a plot point. Leonardo DiCaprio is this fading actor. Brad Pitt is his stunt double. But because Leo's work is now few and far between, Brad Pitt is kind of his gopher. He runs around and does errands for him, drives his car because Leonardo DiCaprio is... Has too many DUIs. Okay. Yeah. They happen to live next door to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate um, on the same road where they lived when Sharon Tate was brutally murdered yeah. by the Manson family. And it's kind of how their lives are playing out. Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo is trying to find work. He ends up doing all these different things. Sharon Tate is a rising star in these movies. And it all culminates in one night when the Manson family followers show up and decide that they recognize Leonardo DiCaprio from his roles in this show he was in in the 50s. And instead of killing Sharon Tate or the occupants of that house, they don't even know who it is. Sharon Tate's death wasn't even supposed to be Sharon Tate. It was supposed to be someone else. They decide they're going to kill Leonardo because he was a movie star, and movie stars taught people to murder, so let's murder the people who murder. Hmm. Uh, And so Sharon Tate doesn't die. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's very revisionist history, and it's kind of a happy ending, even though it's a brutal murder of the three murderers which is intense Mm. um 
and I, I really enjoyed it. I went and saw this movie by myself on a weekend night, and I was just like laughing out loud. Like I was like without abandon watching this movie because yeah. it was such a fun experience. Mm-hmm. But I've had to wrestle with some things afterward. Hmm. There are problems with this movie, um, and I think they're problems that you have with any Quentin Tarantino movie. First and foremost being it is a pretty sexist movie. Um, there's a scene where someone implies that Brad Pitt killed his wife and it cuts to a boat scene where Brad Pitt comes up and his wife is sitting on the deck and she's being very naggy and giving him a really hard time and he's holding a harpoon and you don't see what happens, but it's never revisited. Mm. My, I was 100% sure he murdered his wife. Were you? Well, that was the... The, that was the, Kurt Russell's character in the movie mentions like, oh, we can't really work with him because my wife thinks that he murdered his wife. Mm-hmm. And that's why we no one really hires him anymore. And but it was never revisited. It was no, never it said, like, yeah. here's what it, really happened. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and, here's and, why Brad Pitt is an OK character. But Tarantino makes things pretty ambiguous on purpose. Does he regularly treat his female characters badly? I don't watch his movies he doesn't, because they're too much for me. He doesn't have a lot of female characters Okay, to that credit. Um like you think of like Pulp Fiction, I mean Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta were the main characters in that. Django was Jamie Foxx. Carrie Washington. Um, Inglorious Bastards. I mean, you was, have Kill Bill. Yeah. And Kill Bill Volume and, Two, which are all about a woman. But which Uma are awesome. Thurman had a very difficult time making those movies. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, and suffered some injuries at the hand of Tarantino, and Harvey Weinstein was attached to the movie. Of yeah. course. So there's some murky waters yeah. there. Hmm. Um. Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate has very little dialogue in this. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of focus on how beautiful she is, and she is stunning. I love Margot Robbie. She's, she's she might be the most beautiful woman in the entire world. She's it's yeah. incredible, yeah. and you want to hate her, but she is so lovable. She's in this very movie. charming, mm-hmm. uh, and I I really like the way that they portrayed her. I mean, I when she went and saw her own movie. Um, she was very excited about like the crowd reaction to her scenes and like she really enjoyed watching herself and um, she just seemed very grateful in the position that she was in. I, I don't know. Like I'm. It bothers me though. There's there's times when he could have let Margot Robbie act and instead we got a vo- voiceover describing how she felt. Uh, we get a Kirk Douglas telling us that she was having a hard night because she was pregnant when she could have done. Hmm. They could have given her a little space. Yeah. To show that she was having a hard time because she was pregnant or that it was really hot, right? Yeah. Interesting. And so instead, he adds a male voice to that. Um, his whole thing with feet, he has like a very real foot fetish. And so you see a lot of bare female feet a number of times. It's like, okay, dude, this movie is two hours and 40 minutes long. Yeah. Like, you can cut out mm-hmm. the fat, you can cut out your weird things with females. Here's my ultimate question. Is it okay to detach the art from the artist in this case? Because I I don't think he's committed abuse. I don't think he's committed harassment. I think he has regressive attitudes about women. Can I still appreciate this movie as a fun movie, even if some of the implications are that Quentin Tarantino does not have a lot of respect for women? And am I interpreting that correctly? Hmm. It's a tough question. Um... I, especially in this day and age, when there's there's more 
representation and there's more voice for representation than there ever has been. And he isn't, I don't know if he's old school. Like he started in 1992 with Reservoir Dogs. And like, I think he's like, he's a guy movie director. Like that's just, that's kind of what it is. But I mean, can we even call movies guy or girl movies at this point? You're probably right. You probably can't. Yeah, I don't so that's think... a that's a really good point too. Um, like I enjoy Michael but, Mann movies, you know. Yeah, Heat is awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic, and um, hmm. and I enjoy a rom com. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's so you, he probably needs to do a better job of incorporating. I mean, and I don't want to be performatively woke, but I think that there were some things when it was over. I was like, wow, that was. I enjoyed that movie more than I've enjoyed a movie in a long time. I really had a good time with that movie, but there were some racist things. The uh, They used some racial slurs, and Brad Pitt says to Leonardo DiCaprio at one point, don't let the Mexicans see you cry. Is that a reflection of the time, I or mean, is that, what is so, that? So they talked about, so he did interviews in, in, I mean, he's a controversial guy, and like I, I think he, he takes the time into account quite a bit. Um, I mean, he he wasn't afraid to use the N word in Django because he thought like that's just how people talked in Mississippi. Sure. And I mean, that's that's just the way that it was. And I think like racial tensions were high in the late '60s in LA, and that's just how people viewed the world. And so it's I don't know. Well, sometimes it's, sometimes I think uh, film writers, directors, uh, producers use the fact that they're trying to show a different time as an excuse to express like racism or make an off-color joke. I, I do too. And I think that the question, you, the question you have to ask yourself is take a step back and say, well, is the racial slur relevant to the plot? In this case, it wasn't. And if it's not relevant yeah. to the plot, then it's just, they've it, just found an excuse to use a racial slur. If it's for the sake of just making a joke, then it's just... Are we, yeah, are we, are we watching the color purple and hearing the N-word be used so that we can see how it's being used against these main characters and how that affects their lives? Or are we watching some film by white people who just want to be able to find a reason to put the N-word into sure. a movie and other, otherwise it has no effect on the plot, it has no purpose for the plot, in which case, why put it in at all? Yeah. And so I, don't, I haven't seen this movie, but I think that if you feel like they used a lot of that sort of stuff and it was it didn't add to the plot, then It wasn't a lot, it? No. but it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I mean, look what what, look what this movie's doing. People are talking, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I think sure. this is what art is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you ask questions, and it's supposed to make you question intent and find what you want to find from art. But I think we have to be aware that yeah. this movie is flawed in that way. While it is a very good movie, there are some implications in it that the creator of the movie has regressive attitudes, and we have to decide if he's an artist that we will support in the yeah. future. All that said, I think these are some of the best performances I've seen in a really long time. Every time Leonardo DiCaprio was on screen, I was laughing. He yeah. does pathetic so really well. well in this movie. <laughs> he messes up a scene and he goes back to his trailer and he's yelling at himself and it's pretty funny. I mean, he just shows... You have Brad Pitt who's aging like a god. Like, there's this scene where Brad Pitt is on a sh- the roof. His shirt is off. He's 55. He's the most beautiful specimen I've ever seen. <laughs> like, a perfect uh-huh. human. Like, the whole theater was like, oh, my gosh. 
And then there's Leonardo DiCaprio, who, like, there's this scene where he's sitting and reading a book, and he's making, like, the grossest old man noises. And mm. you're like, oh, my gosh, I hate this person. Mm-hmm. And that's the point, right? You're supposed to be like, oh, this person's the worst. I kind of pity him. Mm-hmm. I feel like they did that really well. Yeah. And both those actors really. And Brad Pitt is just being Brad Pitt. Like, just amazing Brad Pitt. Where Leonardo DiCaprio is like actively acting, and they're both very successful performances. I thought all of the Manson family, save Lena Dunham, were like amazing. Like they were very, very creepy and very unsettling. And the whole environment at the Spawn Ranch, Spawn Ranch, Spawn Ranch yeah. was very like, oh, this is yucky. Um, the three who were sent to murder, like their yeah. dialogue was it was actually really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I loved the end, even as violent as it was. I thought it was mm. the best execution of violence I've ever seen mm. um, and some of the funniest violence I've ever seen. Yeah. I really liked it, but yeah. I don't know if I should but, feel bad that I really right. liked it. But, I mean, it, it's going to be tough when you have um, a movie that's going to be this popular and include every single piece for every single group that needs to be included you know like and that's what i think is the big struggle is like how do you make a a fantastic movie with this time, kind of topic and in this timepiece. Well, and, no, I don't and, think they all have to be included. I think that he just doesn't have to go out of his way to exclude them. I don't think there needs okay. to be. I don't yeah, think that's a good point. Brad Pitt's wife thing that was not essential to the story no, it wasn't. whatsoever. Yeah. You could make the argument that it shows that Brad Pitt isn't a hero, and I do think that's an important point in this movie is that neither of those men are heroes. They didn't save Sharon Tate. No. No, they, no, no. This was self-defense. They didn't even know they were coming for Sharon Tate. So the movie should not be interpreted as these white men saved this actress. No. That's not the revisionist history that's happening yeah. here. Mm. But you don't need that violence against women. You don't no. need the racist no. jokes. Even if you are trying to show the time, there were ample evidence yeah. of the 60s Looking in this back, movie. you take those out, it's still an awesome movie. And yeah. you give Margot Robbie more due for how talented she is and how amazing she is and you have a fantastic flick and yeah. you you have people that feel better about the film all in so all. So I guess he had yeah. just tried harder to be more aware. I don't mean like recast the whole thing with people of color and you know like <laughs> yeah. make it 2019 awareness. I mean like don't don't go out of your way to include offensive yeah. things yeah. that are relevant to the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If it's relevant, okay. If but the, those weren't. Yeah. Again, though, it is the most fun I've had in a movie in a really long time. So. <sighs> Sometimes I wish I could go to movies and put them on double speed. You, I see. That's what I don't think you'll like this because you couldn't sit through Tully. Like you were like up and down. Oh, I loved it though. I know, but you were like all of a sudden gone. Well, I always have to stand up. A few yeah, times. see, that's not normal. <laughs> oh, really? Do you really? Yeah, Meg tweeted recently a very hurtful thing and said that I am objectively terrible in movies. Yeah. And Do you talk? I'm a bit of a movie talker. Oh boy. And a phone checker. I'm a phone checker. Oh, Eli. I'm a tweeter. <laughs> I tweet. I live tweet my movies, <laughs> and then I go stand in the back. Yeah. And no, I, it's a bad Meg look. Got, Meg got it's so mad look. at me. She was like, would you just stop? And you were really <laughs> pregnant at the time, too. <laughs> I was like, "Yes." well, I just... <laughs> anyway. So you recommend the movie? I do. Yeah. 
But I'm wrestling with some things after seeing it. And they're not just things that the internet was like, oh, hot take. There are some hot takes where I'm like, that's a garbage take. Like, I saw one of them that said, like, the Quentin Tarantino has rewritten Sharon Tate's story. I'm like, I think Sharon Tate would be happy with that rewrite. Absolutely, yeah. Sharon Tate lives in this version of the story. Mm. But these are things where I watched it. I was like, I just, why was, why is that in there? It doesn't need to be in there. And I get that you're an edgy director and you like some shock value, but there are other ways to do that. Sure. So, um, I have heard another take that it's like, don't, the, it was violence against women in the end. I'm like, yeah, but they're the women who were coming to murder. They people. were horrible people. So let's uh, let's all cool our jets on that one. <laughs> we don't have to be that, yeah, uh, that defensive. Anyway, we've gone long. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood. It's a fraught but delightful film. Yes. Okay. Uh, you want to do? Uh, Pearl Harbor next week? Pearl Harbor. Oh, the Meg, worst. Meg has never, never seen, seen Pearl Harbor. Oh, that movie sucks. It's so bad, and I'm so excited to watch it. All right. <laughs> Tune in next week when we okay. probably all cry.